Shalom family. My name is Yermayahu bin Yasharel, and this is another episode of Jacob's Seed Podcast. Welcome, welcome, family. Mishpaka to another episode. I'm so glad you guys have joined me uh, for this episode of Jacob's Seed Podcast. Uh, we are going to get into some sports talk. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. Uh, I've been under the weather a bit, uh, but that's not going to stop me from bringing you all this information. And this is not going to be your normal sports talk, right? So you've seen the, uh, you saw the episode title, NCAA Slavery and the Black College Athlete. So what we're going to be talking about today, if you haven't heard, California's governor, Governor Newsom, has signed into law a fair pay for play act, which means that no um, state college in the state of California can no longer punish their athletes, their college athletes, for receiving monetary funds for their likeness and for their images. In other words, now athletes are going to be able to get endorsement deals. So for instance, um, if you are going to the University of UCLA, if you are going to um, USC, um, some of the two biggest colleges, one of the two biggest colleges there in California. If you're a football player, basketball player, lacrosse player, um, if you're on the road team, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, when you go out to Starbucks and somebody wants to sign you, and somebody wants an autograph, you can now charge for that autograph. You can charge for a radio segment. Um, if uh, if Bob's gold and diamonds wants to put you in a commercial. Now you can get paid for being put in that commercial. College athletes are now going to be able to receive money for their likeness, uh, which means they can get deals from Nike. They can get deals from Adidas. They can get deals from Puma. Um, and even on a smaller scale, because I think this is going to affect things more regionally um, as far as um, used auto salesmen using college athletes in their in their uh, radio segments, in their TV commercials, um, as well as jewelry stores, as well as mom and pop stores, um, having your banner um, on different things. Um, now you're going to, as a college student, you're going to be able to get paid for that. Um, but before we get into the episode, please, I want you guys to share um, this episode, subscribe to this podcast. Whatever platform that um, you're listening to this podcast, uh, please subscribe to it. Um, we're also on YouTube, um, so subscribe to that on YouTube as well, um, so you can get all the notifications when a new episode comes up. Um, also, um, in the donation tab, you can also donate uh, to this podcast as well, so we can keep these shows coming and this information coming to you. Um, so here's kind of the rundown. So first, we're going to look at um, slavery and did slaves get paid? Um, then we're going to look at, um, what the governor thinks, uh, why the governor of, 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 California even signed this into law. Uh, we're going to look at uh, what LeBron James had to say about it because he had some, um, some strong words. Um, and the governor actually signed this law into this bill into law, um, on LeBron James show the uninterrupted, um, at his barbershop there in Los Angeles, California, um, and then we're going to look at uh, Kevin Blackstone, who is a professor, a Washington Post columnist, and as well as a regular on ESPN, um, and see what he had to say when he went to um, a benefit um, that recognizes some of the top um, African-American athletes in high school um, and see what he said to them about going to that next level in college um, and how they're treated unfairly there. So after you subscribe, told your family members about all this, we're going to get into all that. Um but uh, right now, let's pause uh, for a message from our sponsors. We are back. We are back. The NCAA slavery and the college and the black college athlete. Check this out, family. So I have right here um, an article. You can find this on historyextra.com, historyextra.com. And it's talking about the slave wages. So what most people don't know about history is that um, a lot of our ancestors who came over here through the transatlantic slave trade, um, specifically in in the U.S., 
um, they did get paid wages. But those wages did not allow them um, most of the time to move out of slavery. You had a small minute, you hear about a small minute of them who was able to buy their way out of slavery. Um, we know that uh, the scripture says that no man will buy you. Well, no, that means some no one would come to rescue you or redeem you, uh, but some of them were able to rescue themselves out of quote-unquote slavery. The issue was a lot of them that bought themselves out of slavery um, were snatched up, as we know, in the system um, and, and taken right back into the same slavery that they just bought themselves out of. Uh, when you look at the story of uh, Solomon Northam, uh, they made a movie about him, uh, I believe 12 Years a Slave. Uh, not the best movie in the world, but uh, it won a lot of Oscars or whatever. But in my opinion, not the best movie in the world uh, because, I mean, he, he pretty much he cared about himself. He wasn't trying to get nobody else free. He was trying to get himself free. Uh, but anyway, you ain't got to get in that. That's not what this episode's about. Solomon Northam was uh, kidnapped and sold into slavery. So there were a lot of so-called African-American black people who were kidnapped, who got sold into slavery. And a lot of those people had already had had bought their way out of slavery. So you see the crazy cycle that's going on. Um, you you worked enough years, enough way just to buy yourself out of slavery, just to get kidnapped and put right back into the same slave system that you just bought yourself out of. So HistoryExtra.com talks about, they have an article about slave labor. And it says, generally speaking, slaves enjoyed few material benefits beyond crude lodging, basic food, and cotton clothing. Still, some plantation slaves were able to earn small amounts of cash by telling fortunes or playing the fiddle at dances. Others sold pottery, meats, and liquor, or peddled handcrafts. In some cases, slaves can earn money from their master if they perform tasks with particular skill. The master of their the masters, for their part, saw small cash incentives as a way to encourage productive work habits. All right. In the towns, cities, and manufacturing areas of the Upper South, slaves were able to earn money thanks to another way to manage labor, the hiring out system. Contracts differed in terms of food, conditions, treatment. Most slaves hired out of work for others, excuse me, let me say that again. Most slaves hired out to work for others could expect to earn wages from working beyond what was considered a working, a working day. In the tobacco factories of Richmond, Virginia, for example, they would complete their daily quota of work and receive bonus pay for anything after that. Some were also allowed to hire themselves out. Brokering their own deals, they paid their masters a monthly fee and kept anything they earned above the amount. Wages varied across the time and place, but self-hire slaves could command between $100 a year, uh, which is $8.33 a month. I did the math for you. Um, to as much as $500 a year, which would be $41.66 a month. Skilled cabinet makers and joiners could sometimes earn as much as white workers. Uh, a select few could even afford to buy themselves out of bondage, uh, which did not usually help them because a lot of times they were kidnapped and put right back into the same bondage in which they just bought themselves out of. Now, you may be saying, Yahoo, what does slave labor and slave pay have to do with the NCAA? Well, if you don't know, let me let me put you up on some game on how the NCAA works. So if your if your child, uh, whether male or female, is able enough to get a scholarship, an athletic scholarship from whatever college university, you name it whether it's an HBCU, a state college, or a, um, a private university. It doesn't make a difference. That school is going to give them a scholarship. That scholarship says that for exchange of tuition, room, and board, you will play X sport, basketball, football, uh, baseball, the road team, soccer, track and field, whatever your child um, is into, they're going to play that sport <clears throat> and that college is going to provide them with free, free tuition, free room and board, which means that you don't have to pay for where they stay. You don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to eat and they'll give them a small stipend every month. Now, we just read 
that in slavery, a lot of the plantation owners, in exchange for the work of their slaves, would give them small monetary um, incentives to ensure that the work got done. In the same way, through the NCAA, they pay for a child's tuition, fees, room and board, and give them a monthly stipend to ensure that that child performs at the best level that they can, not in academics now, but in the arena of athletics. I don't know about you, but that sounds in the same way like slavery. Why? Because just like in slavery time, no one really benefited from the money that they got. Because even if they was able to sell themselves out of slavery, they were kidnapped and brought back into slavery, or even with the money they got, what could they really spend it on? So you had to risk harm just to walk down the street to go to a merchant, assuming that merchant would even sell to a slave, to a so-called Negro back then. On top of that, even though you were getting paid, you were still in the slave system. That did not free you, for the most part, from living on a plantation, from getting whipped when your job wasn't done, from your wife getting raped, from your kids being sold away from you at any time, from your spouse being sold away from you at any time. So the so we're talking about NCAA slavery and the black college athlete. Well, well, well what does this have to do? Or what do all three of those have in common? So we see the correlation between the NCAA and slavery, that although the NCAA gives wages, quote unquote, to college students, those wages do not equal the output in which in, in the output or the uh, or the wages that the NAA is receiving themselves. So you um, as a college athlete, I don't know, um, call into the show. Um, if you're listening to this on Anchor, um, you can go and you can press the uh, voicemail uh, tab and leave me a voicemail about this, or you can call in at 901-300-7474 and leave your comments if you are in, um, if you are an ex-college uh, athlete to let me know how much did you get paid a month, and and then did that pay actually help you or your family get any better? What did you receive from the school that you said, man, I'm cool with this? Outside of a free education, because we understand there's many avenues that you can get a free education. So in the state of Tennessee, you can get a free associate's degree at any um, at any junior college. If you're smart, you can get a um, scholarship based on um, academics. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, and, and obviously, if you're rich, you can just pay the school an endowment and your kid goes to school for free. Now, we saw some people go to jail for that, but I don't believe that's going to stop the elite class from, from getting their kids into whatever school they want to get into. Listen, check this out. I got this. And, and this is this is to push my, my, my point further. Um, there's a article. It's called finance.zax.com. Finance.zax.com. So it says, how much do college sports generate? And if you go down to the page, um, it, it researches the NCAA. Um, it talks about how, I'll just read it. It says, based, based in Indianapolis, the NCAA is a member-led sports organization composed of 1,117 colleges and university, 100 athletic conferences, and 40 affiliated sports organizations. Members pay dues. But the overwhelming amount of NCAA revenue comes from two primary sources, the Division I men's basketball tournament marketing the television rights. Um, they, they generate $821.4 million and championship ticket sales uh, go through the roof at $129.4 million. Right. <clears throat> and let's see. It talks about the NCAA football and how that is still king. So NCAA football brought in $31.9 million in revenue, while men's basketball, which is second, brought in $8.1 million um, in revenue. And even people say, well, you know, um, uh, they don't make enough money. Schools don't make enough money. Are you crazy? The NCAA is, is racketing money um, from the backs of these college athletes who don't get anything in return, as far as 
a fair value based on what the NCAA is bringing in. Check this article also says college sports program programs reached a historic high watermark during the 2016-2017 academic year. The National Collegiate Athletic Association, better known as the NCAA, reported revenue for more than $1 billion in audited financial report for September 2016. $1 billion. And coaches in the NCAA get paid anywhere from $200,000 all the way up to five, six, seven, eight million million a year. While the college athletes who actually keep these coaches' jobs get paid absolutely nothing for their name, for their likeness at all. Check this out now. People say, oh, just football. What about what about the smaller schools? What about um because cause cause people who don't like this law. So again, if you don't know, Governor Newsom, California, just passed in the law, which will come into effect in the year 2023, that it'll be illegal for state colleges and universities to punish a student for making money off their off their likeness and off of their name, which means now you can now you can get endorsement deals. And they say, oh, well, these colleges, uh, some of them don't have enough money. Well, the college won't be paying the child directly. Uh, so it'll be um, Bob's Gold. It'll be uh, Jerry's Used Cars. It'll be Nike. It'll be Puma. It'll be Adidas that's actually paying these kids, right? Um, and every sport in college is making a bunch of money. So people say, oh, it's men's basketball. It's men's football. Check this out. Women's basketball brings in $1.8 million dollars. Even the so-called insignificant sports. So it says rowing. Now, y'all, rowing only takes place in the Midwest and mostly on the East Coast, right? It brings in $932,646 for rowing. And these kids get absolutely nothing for their pay. And some would say, oh, well... They get a free education. They get a stipend. They get free food. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, they get they get free room and board. But these college and universities combined, especially the NCAA, is making a billion dollars a year off of the backs of these kids. And a lot of these kids get injured and not able to make it to the next level where the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, or whatever it may be. Um, their families aren't getting paid. And we know that a lot of these college athletes come from impoverished neighborhoods and you're out there sweating your tail off. Um, and especially if you're playing football, soccer and all these things, endangering your life in order that this school can bring in millions of dollars off of your hard work, off of your name, off of your likeness. And if y'all didn't know, you can't even buy your favorite college athlete, a sandwich at the local deli. That's infringement on the current NCAA rules. That's why Governor Newsom had to put this law into effect. If you if you happen to see your favorite college athlete at the local deli, you can't buy him or her a sandwich. Because that would be recouping monetary funds based on who you are. And right now in the NCAA, that is illegal. So what does the NCAA have to say about this California rule. Well, they're saying that if it goes into effect, and now it's not an if, it's it's going into effect in 2023, that California universities will not be able to play in college championship games. So the uh, college football playoffs, March Madness, um, whatever championship they have for uh, for soccer, for rowing, for rugby for lacrosse, uh, for baseball, the baseball world series, college world series, college state, <clears throat> state colleges in, in, the, in California won't be able to participate. Here's the problem though. California's already passed this law. Some representatives in Ohio are proposing the same in Ohio. The governor of South Carolina is proposing the same in South Carolina. And I believe it's one other state. And I'm not particularly sure um, is proposing the same rule. So the NCAA is going to have a hard time legislating, especially think of you got UCLA, you got USC, you got you got a lot of the Pac-12 right there 
um, in the state of California. You got a lot of SEC right there in the state of South Carolina. You got a lot of Big Ten right there in the state of Ohio. And you're telling me that some of the marquee teams that bring in the most money that you're not going to allow them to be in championship games? I don't see that. I don't see the NCAA allowing that to happen. So the NCAA and slavery are just about the same. Yeah, you get a little kickback, you get a little stipend, you may get your college paid for. And that's huge for a lot of people because we got we got a bunch of people who are in trillion. I think it's, I think the college debt is like trillions of dollars and uh, people, at least the um, in the United States, uh, the amount of college debt is in the trillions of dollars. Right. I'm one of those people who are paying back Sally Mae or Navient or whatever, whatever name these devils try to call themselves these days. I'm paying that feedback as well. But is a free college education and a little stipend a month, is it, does it equal the work that the, these college athletes are putting in based on the billions of dollars that these schools and um, uh, uh, sports associations are making, af- making off of them? We'll get, we'll get into that and more after these messages. Shalom, family. I know y'all love listening to podcasts. Why? Because you're listening to Jacob Seed right now. And one of the best ways to listen to this podcast and many more is through Stitcher Radio, specifically their premium plan. Why, you ask? Check this out. With Stitcher Premium, you can listen to some of your favorite shows ad-free, like Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murderer, Wolverine the Lost Trial, and of course, Jacob Seed Podcast. Plus, get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more. Only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. Go to stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today. Use promo code Jacob. That's promo code Jacob, J-A-C-O-B, for one month free on your monthly plan. Shalom, family. Shalom, family. We are back at it like a jackrabbit. So, so far, we have seen how the NCAA and slavery are very similar in um, how they dispense what we call, quote unquote, wages, right? So you got people working really hard. Let me tell you, if you've never been an athlete, that's not no easy work, okay? It's not easy work. Um, Obviously, it's (laughs) it's not as gruesome um, as slavery was, but it's not easy work. So we see how the NCAA and the, and the, and the chattel slave system, uh, both are similar in the ways that they, uh, distributed funds to their slaves. So if you're a college athlete, you are being treated just like slaves are being treated. You're getting paid a minute, you're getting paid minutely <clears throat> when it comes to finances, when it comes to mon- when it comes to dollars, compared to what the institution that that has you is making off of what you're doing, right? So that makes sense. So uh, slave owners made millions of dollars off their slaves, yet the most you were making a year as a slave was $41.66. In the same way, the NCAA, and I will say, a lot of these slave owners, I know they made a lot of money because their, their, um, their seed, right, is still rich from those uh, sugarcane farms and those tobacco farms um, and what have you. People still today are rich off of the insurance that their great-great-granddaddy put on their slaves and they're living off that insurance and they're living off that name till this day. Uh, Universities are still living off the name of past athletes till this day. So you think about a place like the University of Michigan. Do you think they're not still living off of the Fab Four, Fab Five, uh, Tom Brady? Um, do you think that Michigan State's still not living off the name of Magic Johnson? Do you think UCLA is still not living off the name of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Do you think Auburn is still not living off the name of Cam Newton or Texas A&M off of Johnny Football? Or you can go on down the line in any sport in any college. If they had a famous athlete there, you best believe that they're still selling jerseys and there's a lot of fans that they got now because of that one player, right? 
And there's a lot of people who rush into those stadiums and, to, and, 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 and into those basketball arenas based on – some of the teams ain't even good anymore. So based on what they used to do or who they were um, when they had such and such player, they're still making money off of the backs of the college students that ain't even there anymore. In the same way, these slave owners and their seeds are still living off the riches and slavery been over with, supposedly. If you want to know about more about how slavery was never abolished, go to my past episode. Um, it's called Does Government Work in the Black Community? And I explain how they never abolished slavery with the 13th Amendment. <clears throat> but to drive this point home, um, it, it, the, the title also says the black college athlete. So how does this how does this law uh, pay for play act? How does it affect our so-called black or African-American athletes? I'm about to read you an article. Actually, it's a snippet from a dissertation um, done by Dr. Sean R. Harper from Penn State. Um, I'm sorry, uh, from Penn. Um, his dissertation entitled Black Male, Af Black Male Student Athletes and Racial Inequalities in NCAA Division I College Sports. So people been writing about this, all right? Um, and he got a he got a snippet, a message from Kevin Blackstone, who is a professor um, at Merrill College of, of Journalism at the University of Maryland, um, as well as an ESPN panelist and a sports columnist at the Washington Post. Um, and I'm <clears throat> I'm gonna try to read this full article because it's not long, it's a little snippet. Uh, but he Blackstone drives home the point that these colleges, when it comes, especially when it comes to our our black athletes, they're not doing us right. And we obviously know that there's more than just black athletes that play in college. Uh, but check but check out the disparity um, here. So, <clears throat> and this is Blackstone speaking. I was invited last year to keynote the annual Walkins Awards banquet. A group of black men created in 1992 to celebrate black boys who were outstanding in high school, who were outstanding high school students as well as exceptional high school athletes. But I didn't congratulate the honorees who accepted football scholarships to Stanford, Texas A&M, Texas and other major universities across the country where sports like football, men's basketball reaps tens of millions of dollars. Instead, I warned them how likely it was that they were being hoodwinked in the in the college sports industrial complex. I shared with them seminal research by Professor Sean Harper, founder of the Center for the Study of Race and Inequality in Education at the University of Pennsylvania. His 2012 study, Black Male Student Athletes and Racial Inequalities in NCAA 1 Revenue Generating College Sports, showed that young black men represented only 2.8% of the undergraduate students on major college campuses. <clears throat> Excuse me. Y'all hear that? So so African young African-American men, and this is who makes up the majority of uh, sports, men's basketball, men's football, baseball, uh, track and field, what have you. They only represent 2.8% of the undergraduate students on major college campuses. But... They represent 57.1% of the football teams and 64.3% of men's basketball teams. In other words, the reason why they're on college campuses was not as a part of the educate as the educating class, but as part of a special working class. The massively underpaid, poorly insured labor called student athlete. More disturbing, Professor Harper showed that their um <clears throat> excuse me, that their unstable remuneration of a college degree was realized at rates that paled to other groups of their college, of their classmates. So in other words, they didn't graduate in the same rate as their other classmates. While 50% 50, 50 of black male athletes graduated within six years, 66.9% of all college athletes 55.5 of all black undergraduate men and 72.8 of all undergraduates finished at the same time. So way more people are graduating <clears throat> college at a faster rate or at the same rate uh, than our black athletes are. In March 2016, the newest Watkins Awards winners were feted and, um, and Professor Harper unveiled a four-year update to a study. It didn't address the latest honorees 
But if I had my message, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm struggling to read this bad boy. But if I had my message, wouldn't have changed. This time, the Penn study showed that during the 2014-2015 academic year, black men made up 2.5% of the undergraduate students. So it dropped from 28 to 2.5, slightly less than four years ago. Still, they comprised a vastly disproportionate, though slightly lower percentage of football men's basketball teams, 56.3 and 60.8 respectively. No less worrisome than four years ago, this study shows 53.6 of black male athletes earned degrees within six years, while 68% of all college athletes, 58% of all black undergraduates, and 75% of all undergraduates did the same. These numbers show slight improvement but remain an indictment of the system. In this updated report, Professor Harper further under underscores how unethical if not immoral, the college sports industrial complex is for black male athletes by measuring the weight of revenues those athletes produce and showing whose pockets they line. He points out that the average salary of 65 head football coaches and 65 head basketball coaches in the four major college af uh, athletic conferences, the, the Atlantic Coast Conference, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the SEC, is 3.6 million and 2.8 million, respectively. Remember when I told you guys about them coaches? They're making money, and our kids are making nothing. He further says only 16.2% only of those coaches are black. The average salary of the 65 athletic directors in those conferences is $698,755 a year. Just 14% of them are black and none of the commissioners of those conferences who earn an average of 2.5 million annually are black. Had Professor Harper added the race as well as gender of all the athletic administrative salaries and lesser sports um, expenses paid by the blood and sweat of black male athletes, one can clearly envision black men as gerbils on a wheel that produce the financial energy for all the intercollegiate sports to survive and to prosper. It all reminds me that it long has been time for black male athletes and their families to demand at least some substance of an equality share of value they produce for college athletics. Until they do, they're consenting to their exploitation. Wow. So Blackstone says, listen, black families out there, it's time for y'all to quit being a gerbil on the wheel, to quit being a social experiment. And allowing these universities to make hundreds of millions of dollars off of you. These coaches making millions of dollars off of you. Uh, these athletic directors making hundreds of thousands of dollars after, off of you. These commissioners making millions of dollars off of you. And you and your family reaps absolutely nothing. And some may say, oh man, Kevin Blackstone, you know, he's going too far with this. Um, this isn't true. Athletes get this. Athletes get that. Well, check this out. Um, LeBron James weighed in because the governor of uh, California actually signed this bill into law at LeBron James Barbershop there in L.A. And the L.A. media caught up with LeBron James at a recent basketball practice uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and listen to what LeBron James had to say about the ordeal. For sure, I've been one of those kids if I would have went off to Ohio State or if I would have went off to any one of these uh, you know, big-time colleges where uh, pretty much that 23 jersey would have got sold all over the place without my name on the back, but everybody would have known the likeness. Uh, uh, my body would have been on the NCAA basketball game 2004, and um, the John Steen Center uh, would have been sold out every single night if I was there. Um, so, and, uh, you know, coming from the just, you know, from me and my mom, we didn't have anything. We wouldn't have been able to benefit at all from it. Um, and the university would have been able to capitalize on everything, um, you know, that I would have been there for that year or two or whatever. So um, I understand what those kids are going through. I feel for those kids um, who've been going through it for so long. So that's why it was personal to me. So LeBron James says this is personal for him because him and his mother, had he would have had he not gone from high school straight into the NBA, uh, he would have spent a year or two at the Shostein Center, which we know that that's the University of Ohio's basketball stadium. Uh, they would have made millions of dollars. Imagine the money 
University of Ohio would have made off of the Jersey 23, off of pictures, off of uh, flyers, off of pamphlets, um, uh, TV shots, commercials, all these things that LeBron James would have been a part of. It would, it would have been a circus at the University of uh, Ohio annual. LeBron James would have made nothing. Remember, this kid is from the lowest of low poverty in Akron, Ohio, from the project, single mother home, in all kind of poverty, and would have got paid nothing for his likeness. Would have been on video games, he said. His body image would have been on video games, and he would have got nothing. EA Sports would have made millions off of these off of these kids. Would have made millions off of LeBron and has made millions off of kids who come from poverty. Yet, when they go into these universities and play these sports, they get nothing for it, right? So, uh, let's look at... Let's see, let's so so let's let's look at what um Governor Newsom had to say about this. And then when we come back, um, we'll talk about who who's impoverished the most um in this country and how this affects the black college athlete, because we just read how Blackstone said that only two point um like two percent of these major colleges have um undergraduates in them that are African American, and fifty to sixty-five percent um of these kids are in sports. So 2% of these of these African American so-called African American students at these major universities represent the um represent represent the uh collegiate class, which means they're there to get an education. But when you break it down with sports, 50 something percent in football, 60 something percent in foot uh basketball are there to play sports. So the percentage of African Americans in college that are there to get an education is a hunt, like not a hundred percent, but super duper 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 small compared to the number of black college athletes that's at the same school. So Blackstone says that they're not there uh, for education's sake, but that they're a part of this working class that has horrible insurance uh, that pays horrible wages. Um, and has a horrible labor, and it's called the, um, the athletic department. Uh, so let's look at uh, listen to Governor Newsom um, while he was at LeBron's barbershop and see um, his heart or his spirit behind signing this bill. And then we want to look at how this really affects the black college athlete and their families. I don't want to say this is checkmate, but this is a major problem. For the NC2A. You obviously brought the well, bill here with you today. When you put pen to paper right now, what's this going to change and what's it going to do? It's going to initiate dozens of other states to introduce similar legislation. And it's going to change college sports for the better by having now the interests, finally, of the athletes on par with the in- interests of the institutions. Now we're rebalancing that power arrangement. All right, well, let's do it. That's all you ready? ready? Let's do it, man. All right. This is this is the number one reason why we've created this platform <laughs> to be able to have moments like this where we got the governor of California signing a bill to allow athletes in college. Let's see what that's like. Y'all see that? We're gonna see that right there. That's good. That's good. So the next logical question is: Okay, why is this up important? Why is this a big deal? Why is this even worth doing a whole podcast on? It's because the majority of these <clears throat> majority of these college athletes, especially in basketball and football, and this is where the NCAA and the coaches and the athletic directors get the majority of their money uh, in the in the in the multiple of millions um, that ends up adding to billions of dollars at the end of the year. They get most of their money off the backs of basketball players and football players, which are uh, disproportionately uh, represented um, by African American children. Okay. So we're going to look at now, and this is from the uh, this is U.S. poverty statistics done by um, the U.S. Census Bureau as of September 2019, and it says that white non-Hispanics make have a poverty rate of 8.1 percent. <throat> Somebody would say, "Oh man, that's huge, right?" But check this out: Hispanics of any race, their poverty rate is 17.6 percent, and so-called African Americans or blacks. 
their poverty rate is 20.8%. We are the most impoverished ethnic group in the United States of America. So-called black and African-American people are the, the most impoverished people in the United States of America. And when it talks about medium median household income, which means uh, uh, this is the money that you bring into your household, African-Americans, again, are last on that totem pole at bringing in only about $30,500 a year into their households. And we know for families that whether they live in the projects or impoverished neighborhoods, it's even worse for them. So let's put all these dots together, right? You have the NCAA, an institution that operates and rocks just like slavery did in past times. They get the majority of their money from men's college basketball, men's college football, which is overwhelmingly represented by African-American males who come from impoverished communities and households because their race is the most impoverished in this country. So the question is, now how does this new law in California affect or have an impact on the black college athlete and their families? It's a huge impact. So now, not only am I getting a free education, not only am I getting this little stipend that means absolutely nothing, but now if my school is an Adidas school, I can get paid. I can get an endorsement deal with Adidas. I can get an endorsement deal with Nike. I can get an endorsement deal with Under Armour. I can do commercials. I can do radio spots and get paid for that. And now, <clears throat> because I'm taken care of, I can send this money back to my family and make sure that they're getting care of, taken care of. This changes the whole dynamic of wealth in this country. It begins to close the wealth gap in this country. And believe it or not, that's why I think a lot of people who call into these radio shows are so upset about this rule. It's not that they really believe that it's going to ruin college sports. Because a lot of these people call in and say, oh, well, it's going to ruin college football. It's going to ruin college basketball, and blah, 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 blah. They used to say the same thing about um, the Olympics. Because way back when, when Carl Lewis was running, uh, uh, Olympians were considered a um, amateur uh, sport. So they did not get paid. They couldn't do commercials and all this stuff. But now we see Olympians on Wheaties boxes and all this other stuff. But back then they couldn't get paid. Now they're getting paid millions of dollars, right? Michael Phelps is a millionaire. Gabby Douglas, millionaire. Uh, Simone Biles is a millionaire. Um, uh, Allison Felix, she is a millionaire, right? Tyson Gay, all these people um, who do track and field and who swim and all this stuff, they're millionaires because of the endorsement deals that they're able to get now um, through their name and their likeness. Now, the Olympics is not paying them directly, but they're getting paid off of the endorsement deals, which will be the same way in this new law. These colleges ain't losing no money. Don't get it twisted. The colleges are losing zero funds. These children will now be getting be get paid by endorsement deals, which they can funnel that money back into their family. And depending on and people say, oh, well, it's not going to be fair uh, for some of the because uh, some of the kids are not going to get paid the same as others. Why does that matter? It works the same way in professional sports. LeBron James is going to make way more money in endorsements than the 12th person that's sitting on the bench, okay? Cam Newton is going to make way more money than the backup quarterback. That's how it works. You're going to get paid. If you're, if you're good at what you do, the money will follow. If you're average, the money will follow. And if you ain't no good, you get no money. That's how it works in professional sports. That's how it works in the, in the collegiate world as well. So if you're the top athlete at that school, People are going to pay you top dollar to be in their commercials or to or to wear their uh, memorabilia. If you're an average per average athlete, they're going to pay you an average cost. We don't need to worry about well, there, there needs to be a flat fee and all this stuff. See, and, and when I hear all this stuff, what I hear is because 
African-Americans disproportionately represent the two largest uh, sports in college football. What I hear is we don't want these Negroes getting this money and um, <clears throat> and and shrinking this this wealth gap. Right. We don't want these Negro college students getting this money and changing their life because people are so emotional about this, highly upset about this. And the only reason I can think why is because it's the black athletes who will benefit the most from this. For instance, we had Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M a few years back. Johnny football, he had the money sign and all this stuff. Think about all the money that he would he generated for that school. Think about all the money he would have gotten for signing autographs. Now, he's a Caucasian uh, uh, athlete, right? But he comes from a well-to-do family. He didn't need the money. So whatever money he made, that was just, that was just gravy on top. But we have a lot of these kids Based on the U.S. Census Bureau, African-American kids, 20% of us live in poverty. Most of us only bring in $30,000. That's median. Majority of us bring in less than that. So you telling me that this would not have a major impact on the black community? Absolutely. So if we're generating, a, know this, the black community generates tr a trillion dollars a year. Now, we don't, because we make bad financial decisions, our community usually does not see that money, but imagine a child who's able to go off to college and help their mother or help their father pay off student loan debt, help them pay off credit card debt, help them pay for uh, that check in the cash account that they that they that they not paying no more. Um, help them pay that title loan spot off so their car don't get taken so they can t continue go to work. We look at these athletes in college and think because they're winning national championships and because they're on. Uh, they're on the TV playing basketball, that their lives are gravy. Remember, while they're at college, their family is somewhere struggling, most of them, especially if they're black athletes. Their family is somewhere struggling. And we have the audacity to tell them that they can't make money off of the likeness and the images and get endorsement deals. I've been advocating for this for years because all colleges can't pay them. The colleges don't need to pay them. Let them get paid off of their endorsements. Can we get the world's smallest violin for them haters out there that's hating on these kids trying to get these money? <laughs> so we about to uh, we about to wrap this up, family. So I think this has a will have a huge impact not only on the so-called black athlete and their family uh, because now they go while while they're at school getting taken care of their family could be back at home getting taken care of as well i think this will have a major impact also on uh, smaller colleges and hbcus why because now i could be the top af i could be the top high school basketball player coming out i can be the top football player coming out of high school i don't have to now i don't have to go to um, UCLA. I don't have to go to Texas. I don't have to go to Michigan. Um, I don't have to go to Florida and these places in order for me to be recognized because I'm the top. The media is going to follow. I can now go to a HBCU. I can go to a Howard. I can go to a Jackson. I can go to a, a TSU and know that because I'm the t the best at what I do, I can bring this. I can put some attention on a historical black college and I can make money all at the same time. So a lot of these African-American athletes, college athletes, no longer have to go to these major universities. They can go to a smaller school. Specifically, they can go to HBCUs and put, put a spotlight on some of these great historical black colleges, play sports there, and also um, make money while they're doing it so they can take care of their family, family at home. So imagine a Howard, a Jackson, a TSU um, right here in Memphis, we have a Lamar Oyen. Imagine game day, ESPN, if you watch sports, at one of these HBCU campuses. That's a lot of money poured into these colleges, as well as um, a spotlight put on the, these great universities that our ancestors built with their bare hands, right? As well as these college athletes getting paid now no matter where they go. So the, so the huge school with the stadium packed full of sixty to 100,000 people, or even the HBCUs that's that's a bit smaller, but they're able to um, they're able to rock it whatever university they want to rock at, as well as take care of their family 
back at home. And the last thing, family, I'll be remiss if I didn't bring this all together with some scripture, because at the end of the day, I believe the only way that our um, our society as Af- so-called African-Americans gets better is if we dive into the scriptures and not just read them, but live by them, all of them. <clears throat> to go back to the Torah, to the covenant that the Most High has given our people, and as well as believe in the testimony of his son, Yahushua HaMashiach, who the world knows as Jesus the Christ, um, and live by those laws, statutes, and commandments as the Most High and his son has given us to live by. So check this out, uh, what, what the scriptures say about unbalanced scales. It says in Proverbs 11 that a false balance is an abomination to Yahuwah, to the Most High. So an abomination is something that that he hates. He hates unbalanced scales. He hates things that are not in balance, which is why we see a lot of time in Scripture, uh, it says that if you have done, if, if you have put somebody in slavery, um, you will be enslaved. If you murdered somebody, you will be murdered, all this stuff. And not, and not specifically that person. Um, sometimes it does happen to that person, but we know a lot of times it talks about um, the end time, <clears throat> excuse me, the end times um, and the seed of those people um, who still, who have not repented for their father's um, mistakes. They will be put into slavery, those who put others into slavery if they had not repented for their father's mistakes and now walk into the law, statutes and commandments and cling to a Hebrew um, to. Um, so listen, also Proverbs 20, 23. So stand in Proverbs 20, 23. It says diverse weights are an abomination to the most high. So it's, it's, it's the same thing. So we see how the NCAA, the scales are off. They're making billions of dollars while while they're giving, quote unquote, giving these college students a few thousand dollars in monetary gifts. And only a, uh, only a hundred or only a small um, about a, a few hundred of those dollars they can actually hold in their hand, which does not help their families out whatsoever. It's the same way the slave master paid his slaves. He made millions of dollars off the backs of our ancestors, yet they got chump chains in return. These colleges are making billions of dollars off the backs of our young African-American men in football and basketball, yet they're getting chump change and their families getting nothing for it. We just heard LeBron James say how him and his mama would have got nothing for it. It wouldn't have helped them out out at all because they came from poverty and it wouldn't help them out at all. So remember that the Most High hates things that have unbalanced scales. So right now he hates the NCAA because the scales are unbalanced when it comes to what they're making and what they're allowing the college student to get. Family, this has been another episode of Jacob C. Podcast. I thank you once again for tuning in to Jacob C. Podcast. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening this to. Also share it on all your social media platforms as well. And remember that you can also support Jacob C. Podcast uh, monetarily so we can keep all these episodes coming and get all this information to you. As always, seek out truth, live it out, inform others. Shalom. Thank you.